2: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're going to discuss effective ways to scale MarTech businesses. Joining us is Steve Pacross, who is the CEO of Verblio, which is a multimedia content creation platform that powers modern content marketers and SEO agencies. Verblio's network of over 3,000 US-based writers are subject matter experts in industries from astrology to zoology. And their easy-to-use platform offers unique flexibility, quality, and speed to businesses and agencies seeking reliable, trusted partners in developing content. Yesterday, Steve and I talked about leveraging freelancers to ride the content creation wave. And today we're going to be talking about Steve's experience buying a MarTech company and his advice on what you should do after your acquisition. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Steve Pakross, CEO of Verblio. Steve, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Good to be back. Excited to have you back on the show. Yesterday we talked about you know, the core offering of your products, which is finding freelancers, producing great content, and really what's the purpose of content for marketers. I want to change gears a little bit and talk more broader about your experience in the MarTech industry Uh, Verblio acquired a company last year, you bought auto magical, which is not specifically around text content creation, which we talked about, but more about video production. I want to hear a little bit about your experience in the MarTech industry, what it was like going through an acquisition, and then what did you do after the acquisition that can give you some advice for how other people should think about expansion and acquisition. First off, let's talk about the acquisition process. You're running Verblio for a while now, and you decide to buy a company. What was going through your head?
1: First of all, a little background about Verblio, so we are a bootstrap company. We've been bootstrapped for about 10 years now. So we're a very different approach than the VC funded company where you have an MA division that's constantly out there looking for things. So at the same time, we're trying to balance doing everything that we do, quality content at scale for every niche, better every year as part of our process, but it's very hard to stay strategically open and focus on where the industry is going, where the puck is going. We got kind of this call to action in 2016, inbound HubSpot's uh, big international conference with tens of thousands of people where the CEO, Ryan Halligan said, video should be 50% of your content right now. And he said that when I don't even think that HubSpot had a video product at the time. So it was clearly kind of like leading the industry and where we should be. And anybody who's in an industry that is about to get upended is clearly thinking about similar things at the same time. You have to do what you're doing exactly right now, much better and keep competing as you are, but really keep your mind open about what else to do next. So we were really fortunate that some of our HubSpot contacts, uh, one of the leaders of the partnerships group over there, had started a video company right after that this began. So they had tried to compete and that market got incredibly hot really quickly, which is that there's a lot of companies like Lumen5 and Shaker out there. Their entire idea was to take written content and then the machine, the AI and all the machine learning would immediately create a video out of it without human interaction to it. So that was the way that you were going to multiply your content. That was a pretty hot space and they had to decide how quickly to go in. So we got kind of a bluebird opportunity of acquiring a company that I thought fit better into our model. So our model is we use technology in order to lower the cost of creating that content, but we believe that humans are critical to creating great content at every level. And we thought that video should follow the same line.
2: So I think the first step here is you're reading the tea leaves right you're trying to understand the industry that you're in you're sitting here saying all right in our industry we're seeing you know our content production we're focused on text based content and we see that video is coming do we develop that expertise in house or do we acquire a company now talk me through the evaluation process of saying all right should we go
1: build it or buy it so that was a really quick evaluation process because our in-house team was already pretty overwhelmed with the amount of product roadmap that we brought on the last couple of years. So one is we already had plenty of roadmap to build out. The second is we didn't have that video level of expertise. Acquiring that is a really unique opportunity for us. So that was an easy part of the evaluation.
2: All right, so it was pretty clear to you that you didn't have the internal resources or bandwidth to be able to develop the content production assets. You also didn't necessarily have the expertise, so you're going out and looking for a company. How did you think about finding the company that you wanted to acquire? And how did you go about valuing that company?
1: They basically came to us and said that we're the company that they wanted to sell to. That we've been talking to them for a few years about partnering with them, testing with them, and there was clear strategic fit. So it's a lot easier when they came to us as far as we were already looking at the video industry as far as where we could possibly play. They were about, it was the right size company for a bootstrapped company that's in the $6 million, $10 million range to acquire.
2: When you say 6 to $10 million, you mean in terms of annual revenue?
1: Yeah, annual revenue. Okay. So without VC funding, kind of our options are we needed to go somebody who is at that pre-revenue stage or very early revenue stage, or else you're going to be valuing it at something else. We also needed someone who didn't have investors that we had to pay off as part of this. So the strategic fit was really easy. We've been testing out their product for over a year. They kind of had made the transition point of, we're not going to go big in this. We'd like you guys to take it over. So it was a really nice dating period, as opposed to a classic M and A. Let's go evaluate the marketplace and figure out where we fit.
2: All right. So you read the tea leaves. You are networking constantly. You find somebody that you're, you know, willing to not only go on a first date with, but you're saying, all right, we know each other well. Let's, uh, you know, let's get engaged. Let's tie the knot here. Then comes the negotiation. I'm sure that the lawyers get involved. You get this whole process of actually acquiring and then integrating the companies. What do you do when you get to the point of saying, hey, we should acquire your company? And, and how do you actually make it a reality?
1: Exactly. So we'll, uh, we'll do the kind of the valuation part first and then kind of the the integration part after that. The valuation is tough as anybody who's gone through this knows.
2: I've heard it's a proctology exam, to be honest with you. I heard it's like you got to look under every stone and everybody's hiding and cleaning up their books and really gets pretty sophisticated.
1: But the good thing about acquiring somebody who's pre-revenue is there's less books to clean up. There's just a lot less to it. We basically, this company was a few unbelievable engineers. Part of our evaluation was these guys are so damn smart. We have utter faith in their technology technology. And so I think about pricing strategy when I think about valuation for a company this big. So first of all, you have to decide if you're going to go for the big approach, the M&A attorneys, the lawyers get involved, you're really wrestling it down, or are you trying to do like a reasonable size deal that gets done quickly where you might be up or down 10% of all of it, but it gets done faster and you're not giving it all to professional services who support the M&A business, which is the route we went. So when we got there... We kind of had like a pricing strategy approach, which is uh, there's the cost plus, how much did it take me to produce it versus how much I want to charge afterwards, which is how much time do we think these guys put in it versus how much we'll pay them for it versus the valuation side of how much do I actually think this is worth to us. So I think both of us were doing the evaluation of both of those and came to an agreement on stock versus cash, which you describe marketing as a blend of art and science. I think acquisition is maybe even more art and science than most marketing that I've done.
2: There's an emotional component to this. Somebody's put their blood, sweat, and tears into developing a product, and now you're going to acquire it, and you could do with it probably what you want. I'm sure that there's some contingency plans in terms of maybe how the products or softwares can be used, but you're acquiring you know, their knowledge, their IP, and that is not only a business decision. Often it can be an emotional one. Eventually, you go through the acquisition, and now you have to start doing integration. You have the original founders. you know They're working on your team, not their own team. They're going from being employers to employees. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. Walk me through the steps of onboarding the team, and then how do you figure out how to make them part of your team?
1: Well, I will say that we did not onboard them because they didn't come with the acquisition. We just got the technology and not the people. But we needed their expertise in order to transition over, so the question is incredibly relevant, which is we had to find a way to get as much of their time as necessary in order for my team of engineers and my CTO to get up to speed as we could. So we agreed to kind of a pattern of how to build it on, and we flew their top engineer out who went to take a lucrative position in AI at Facebook to basically just do a huge deep dive until my team was steeped and ready to go. And then had a certain amount of hours ready, like on the back end, as far as getting the technology up to speed. It's interesting because actually the technology handover was much easier than the marketing and revenue facing piece of it. How do we do our go to market, start offering this as a different value proposition and selling it into our client base which actually turned out to be a much bigger lift on our side than the actual integration.
2: So you go through the process of integrating the technology, you're working with the original founders, and now you have a marketing problem. Now you're challenged with people think of us as a text content provider, and we're starting to branch out into video. How do you think about marketing your product extensions?
1: So let me just kind of lay out where we're at. So we're a content creation company that really focuses on written content, Our deep belief, we sell subscriptions, which is that we are selling to people who understand that executing on your content strategy is the most important element to it. So we sell subscriptions to various levels of content and we are basically trying to figure out how video matches into that are we saying video should be your only content video should be paired with your existing written content or should it be a standalone where we create cost-effective video marketing so we basically tried to take a kind of the classic lean startup strategy and go for the three best pieces our best opportunities that we thought we had and used our basically our pricing page and our website as our market research tool to figure out where our clients were most interested and brought all three of those onto our site and we learned a lot really quickly as far as what brought the most value
2: so having gone through the acquisition and integration process you've acquired a martech company you've folded it into your existing service i would call you martech as well you're a service provider if somebody else is thinking about going and acquiring another company in the martech space What advice do you have for them to not only find the right partners, make sure that they're getting good value, integrating the product services and being able to move forward as a larger organization?
1: I think the most important piece that we haven't discussed so far is just the clarity of how much time you want to invest in your MVPs. It's very similar. An M&A strategy to me is very similar to starting a new product in your company. Is the MVP truly an MVP? How long are you going to invest and what are the clear criteria? Is this going to be one of the ones that at the end of it, all you've done is create arguments for both sides about if it succeeded or not and whether there'll be continued investment. And the third is to just be honest with yourself about how much time it takes because it takes a ton of time. We looked at a few other acquiring smaller marketplace businesses than ours and realized that acquiring more customer clients for ours that are larger than those clients is a much better play for us than trying to integrate somebody else's business, you're always going to uncover, it's like moving into somebody else's house, right? They've been living there since the 1940s. That couple has put up like gold mustard drapes. They have sconces in their bathrooms and pink everything. Are sconces not cool
2: now? I'm just kidding.
1: Go on. <laughs> My San Francisco apartment had all these sconces everywhere. And so there's carpet in the bathroom. And basically you just know that whatever you run into, your m process is going to uncover 20% of all of the challenges and problems that you have out there. And so you have to be pretty deeply committed to the fact that this is such a good strategic play for you that you're going to stick with it for long enough.
2: Yeah, I think that's great advice. And it's one thing that as a marketer, I advise people that are starting to think about marketing that you need to have patience. Cultivating great marketing takes time. And this is obviously different. This is a product integration and an expansion, but that also takes time and patience as well. So the last question I have for you is that as you've gone through this expansion and you've gone from having your product being solely focused on text content production to now moving into multimedia, did you go through any marketing changes? Do you think about your brand differently? Did you verticalize your products? How did this change the sort of core identity of your product?
1: the M&A process caused quite the existential moment at our company where we had to figure out how we wanted to define ourselves internally and then also what's our new strategic narrative now that we've defined ourselves as a written content company since our creation and now we're a video company as well so the flag that we put in the ground is that we are going to be a written content company first the video is to enhance that written content and also to help promote it and once we came to that understanding that that's who we were going to be and we were going to start with the writing and also how consistent our belief system was in that our value proposition is that our technology in the SaaS platform that Verblio created is to lower the cost and increase the efficiency and effectiveness of written content creation. And the video platform that we just bought does the exact same thing. And the humans write the story using that technology to lower cost and improve it. I think once we came to that joint understanding, the rest of the message was a lot easier to get out. But it sure was clunky when we were trying to decide if we were now a video company or is video the hot growing market? We need to repurpose everything immediately and go after the shining object that everyone else is going after.
2: As a brand consultant, one of the first things that I do with any of my clients is sit down and talk to them about what their company is, who they are. And then we try to find the overlap between not only who the company is, but who their customers are. And that's really how I define someone's brand It's refreshing to hear that you have, A, as a bootstrap company, stayed true to the roots that you've had and really understood what your core competency is. And you've been able to go through this acquisition and still keep a sense of that fundamental identity that made your brand so great. Steve, I appreciate you not only being a listener to the podcast, but for being our guest and coming on and share your experience and expertise. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
2: All right. And that wraps up this episode of the Martech podcast. Thanks to Steve Pockross, the CEO of Verblio for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Steve, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Spockross, S-P-O-C-K-R-O-S-S. Or you could visit his company's website, which is Verblio.com. V-E-R-B-L-I-O.com You can also subscribe to our once-a-week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is MartechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. -J Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P.